Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Basil Banter, a podcast that covers all our favorite topics, including travel, various gear, and of course, watches. I'm Leslie. And I'm Ernesto. And today is our first Q&A episode. We're uh, super excited to answer all the great questions you asked us, and we're very, uh, very grateful for all of the questions, too. So uh, thank you so much. Yeah, I was surprised to see how many questions we received. I want to just mm-hmm. thank everybody for taking some time out of their day to go ahead and send those questions to us. We appreciate it. Yeah. But before we get started on answering these questions, Leslie, if you don't mind me asking, what are you wearing on your wrist today? So today I'm wearing my Gégère Le Coutre Reverso. It's the Grande Ultra Sense. It's a discontinued model. There's only the minutes and the hours. And there's a... Um, I mean, it's a very plain, very clean, very classy um, watch. I'm not wearing it. Definitely not enough. That was the adjective I was thinking of was classy. Just a very classy watch. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very nice. Yeah, um, what about you? For me, I'm wearing my Doxa Sub nice. 300. This is the limited edition, the 50th anniversary. And because it's a Doxa, I was able to get it in... Um, I was able to get it in orange, which is their professional. Nice. Yeah, very excited I, about I this piece. I love that. I love that watch. You wear it very well, too. Thank you very much. And similarly to with your Gégé Lecoult, I don't wear this piece as often as I probably should. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's start with our first question. And uh, it's basically a question from so from a, um, a watch collector. His name is Joe. His Instagram is absolutely amazing. Um, you can follow, I mean, you should follow him if you're already, if you're not already. His uh, Instagram account is at BAOist. I'm sorry if I'm butchering uh, the, the, the word. It spells B-I-A-O-I-S-T. He has a phenomenal collection and his pictures are absolutely amazing. I mean, yes, definitely if you're not already, give him a follow. He's a great guy too. And we were talking and we were talking about the podcast and he asked me the question, what was the exact goal of the podcast? And I thought this would be a perfect question to start our Q&A today. And um, I mean, he brought to our, our attention that maybe the goal isn't as obvious as we thought it was. So, I mean, I'm basically just going to read the answer I, I, I gave him um, sure. because I think it just tells us a lot about, you know, what we're trying to accomplish here. Um, so as you know, if, if you've been following the, the podcast, you know that Ernesto and I, we've been, we've been friends for quite a few years and we really used to spend hours on the phone and around coffee talking about watches. You know, we, we loved we love coffee, obviously, as you know, and we love watches even more. Um, so it was something very natural, like to pick up the phone and start talking and then talking. And then we were like, wow, OK, well, it's been, you know, over an hour and it's been great. And uh, it became something just, you know, kind of second nature. So when Ernesto last year in the summer um, contacted me about a podcast, it just felt so, so natural. Um we also come from different backgrounds, and and that's why I think it's very interesting to to share that to people. I used to manage a watch store, a really high end watch store, and uh, Ernesto was 
was a client of mine. That's how we met. And he's been a collector for, for the longest, or at least he's been loving watches for the longest. So he has a very different perspective on watch collecting and on watches than I do. And so I think it's very interesting to, to bring those. We think it's very interesting to bring those, those two point of views together. Also, we have a love for, for sharing what we love. So it made sense to include that and this year, we do want to focus more on, on the training and the teaching side of it. We, um, we also want to focus on collectors, and we do want to interview them, and we're working on that. We made so many amazing friends in the watch community, and um, we feel like the world is kind of missing on not knowing about them. And that's really regardless of the size of their watch collection, the, the content of their collection and, and even more regardless on the numbers of followers they have. We've met people who have so much to say. We have a perspective on, on life and on watches and collecting that is just so um, eye-opening that, yes, we do feel like it's, it's kind of a shame that we don't know them and and we really want to use this podcast as a platform to to showcase them to bring them to light you know i couldn't agree with you more um i follow some watch enthusiasts that only have one watch in their collection some of them have maybe just two but how they send that message and how they communicate their passion for that mm -hmm. watch or their couple of watches it's amazing it's such a creative way of how they're able to share that passion for that watch and so yeah, we definitely want to highlight some of the people in our watch community. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like you said, it doesn't matter what their collection looks like, what what's in their collection. Um, it's just that they share that same passion. And I think the other thing, too, you and I share is the fact that we love to learn mm -hmm. and we're wanting to give back what we've learned. And as every project or as every collector or every enthusiast, it's going to evolve. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're on our 12th episode now, and I'm curious to see in a year from now how this project, Bezel Banter, will evolve. Yeah, it's really like so, I don't know, it was a fun project, very non-pretentious at all, and really like, I don't know, bringing something back to the community, something maybe new, something that you haven't heard before, and uh, making sure that those voices were, were, I don't know, heard. And to learn as well from those people on the watch community oh, too, yeah. not just share our, what we know, but like to, mm -hmm. to learn as well. Yeah. 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 For sure. Okay. So let's uh, move on to, to the next question. And it's, I'm, I'm really like so happily surprised with the, the kind of question we were asked. Um, so it is from at 120 clicks and same thing, please make sure to give him a follow. Um, so he's asking, what is your favorite era of watch design? Do you think watch brands have gotten safe and bland in their design today? So, uh, so I'll answer um, the first question and then uh, Ernesto, you'll answer it. And then we'll go to the second question that he asked about the, the, their design. Sounds good. Um, so that's that's such a great question, and I had to do a little bit more of research because, um, I mean, there's just so much, 
that's just so much to say and so much to know. Um, trying to keep up with already the modern world of, of watches is already like, it feels like a, a full-time job sometimes. And I think it, it actually is because there are some people who are like, you know, watch journalists and, and that's all they do. But if you add on top of that, the vintage world, well, I can be a little bit overwhelmed. So I was, I did a little bit of research and I think I can say that there's some watches that I love from every era, right? Every decades brought something very unique and iconic, but I have like a special affinity to the, like with the 1920s. And so um, I, I, I really love everything surrounded in terms of like style design, the prohibition era for me, it's kind of like this whole smoky underground world, very sophisticated, of course, well, not everyone lived in 1920s in the U.S. the same way, and um, not saying that it, it was perfect at all, and I'm very romanticizing it a lot, um, based on you know the, the design, the, the clothes, the fashion, and anything that's that's yeah that's surrounding that that era really. So I know my my reverso is from the 1930s, but it's very Art Deco and uh, it's really something that's I don't know I would imagine myself wearing in the 1920s and it's like you know uh, still like a lot of codes, but they're trying to change those codes. They are trying to explore a little bit more. They are trying you know to definitely have uh, a little bit more fun around, you know, a lot of smoking, a lot of drinking, and uh, a lot of jazz too, because, you know, as, as you know, I'm, I'm also a huge fan of jazz. What, what about you, um, Ernesto? So for me, uh, I've been fortunate enough to dabble in a few different watch eras um, with vintage. I've had and owned a few pieces that were from the 50s and 60s mm-hmm. and 70s and 80s, nothing later. Um, and while I appreciate the design of those timepieces, for me, it's really about function. Uh, I want to feel confident. You guys know I like my robust watches. Um, (laughs) And so for me, even if it's a dressier piece, I'm more into the modern watches. The design and also because of the technical specifications that they come up with in today's today's watchmaking. But also for me, it's really just being able to handle the activities that I like to do on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's modern design. You can't really do better than now in terms of movement, in terms of materials, in terms of like engineering. Right. And if, of course, something that's, that is important to you, I mean, nothing can, can beat that. Even if the technology or at least the movement was created years and years ago, it's being perfected every single day. And it's, it's at its best right now. So, yeah. um, to me, like watches are very similar to cars too. And while, mm-hmm. you know, there, there are sports cars out there, there are Porsches out there that are so beautiful. They're classic from the 70s, 60s, and 50s. You know, nothing beats the Porsche of today, right? The engine yeah. and, and just the technical specs that uh, they have for that car. To me, watches are very similar to that respect. Yeah. I think the other question that uh, at 120 clicks asked was, what... Uh, do you think that watch brands have gotten safe and bland in their design today? And for me, I think so. <laughs> I think that I agree. I, I think watch designs have played a little bit safe. Yeah. I think they're they're trying to 
um, make sure that they hit the masses and that that mm-hmm. people are excited about their product offerings and they're going to buy, right? So they're not going to come up with these ex- obscure skews in their inventory because they might just sit on the shelves, basically. Yeah, but it's. I think it's still a huge mistake. So I totally agree. I think big watch brands are totally playing it safe. They want to appeal to the masses. They want to sell a lot and they don't want to take risk. Okay, well, it's a strategy, but let's take Richard Mille, for example. Well, it totally didn't do that. It took risk, created something completely new. People loved it or hated it. But look at what it is now. All of the big, um, all of those big brands really are capitalizing on a risk they took back then. Right. The Nautilus was a risk. The Royal Oak was a massive risk too. A steel sports model that was more expensive than a gold watch. I mean, and and design-wise, I think that's where and and it works. It works like that for everything, right? Even for the the big fashion houses like Chanel and Dior. And they really took a risk, created something new, really provoked something new. And, I mean, that's how they were known. That's how it defined them. And now they're still capitalizing on this and they're kind of like recreating over and over and over the same thing. And, yeah, sure, it's nice and it's safe and it's, you know, it's a classic for a reason, but I think it's a little bit boring, and um, I don't think that's how you're going to survive. I might be wrong, and I know not everyone's doing the same. A lot of independent watchmakers are bringing something completely new in the, like, to the game, um, and that's absolutely fantastic. I mean, F.P. Jaune and his design and what he does, like his movement, that's that's amazing. But, yeah, for... Those big brands, the fact that they are keeping it so safe. You know, blue dial sports model, everyone has one now. Well, that's great because everyone wants one, sure. But it's not being provoking. It's not being like, you know what, this is, you know, who we are and we're just going to do it because we're passionate about it. No, it's just like, okay, so what does the, like marketing is telling us that, you know, people want. And, well, sometimes people think they want something, but actually they they may not want they may want something else and we don't know. I mean, just, I feel, I, I think it's, it's, it's really sad that, yeah, big brands aren't taking risks. They could. I might get hate in the comments for this, but like, um, <laughs> I'm not going to mention any brands out there, but when they go from 40 millimeters to 41 millimeters and say that we've launched something in 2020, that's to me, that's playing it safe. It really is. And yeah. And, and it's so sad because yes, it might just feel, and it's true. Some people did feel like it's better, more proportionate. Sure. We're making something amazing, almost perfect, even, you know, even closer to perfection. So sure. It's always perfecting it. Fine. I get it. But I mean, just changing like some, some dye colors. I mean, uh, yeah, sure. For, for what it was, but what about a, a, a titanium watch? What about something that's like, you know, or, or something completely different? They do have the means, they do have like the, the people, they, they have the resources to really kind of provoke and, 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 and they don't, but I know it's a strategy and they probably know way better than, than I do. I just think it's a little bit sad because that's not how, that's not how like they really, when we discovered them, when they really 
became famous, it's because really they did something that no one else's did. Yeah. And uh, anyway, <laughs> so now we had a very blunt answer. <laughs> and again, not everyone does the same, but sure, yeah. Right, but thank you for your question. We appreciate you sending that <laughs> yes, in. Yes, we do. Yeah, that was a great question. The next one is from uh, Atka Hinding, and he asks, what do you think being a watch enthusiast in 2021 means? He says, while I avidly read and consume lots of watch media and horological information, I don't own any expensive watches. I hope to save for a Rolex or a Grand Seiko or a Fears watch as my first big purchase, but that is going to take several years. So my follow-up question would be, if a person doesn't have the means to build a collection full of Rolexes, JLCs, Cartiers, etc., but nevertheless loves watches, what are ways that such persons can still participate in the watch community? Thanks and keep up the great work. You guys are among my top podcasts. Well, Gahinding, thank you oh, very thank much. You. We appreciate that. Thank and you. Uh, we yes. appreciate your support. So for me, being a watch enthusiast in 2021 20, means just being you. I mean, just be yourself. <laughs> and the watches that you have, I think you mentioned here that you have a Seiko 5. You've got a vintage 1951 Longines. You've got a 1981 Waltham and a Timex um, Marlin. You know, those watches you brought into your collection for specific reasons. You and you had a, a, a love or an affinity or these watches invoke something that made you bring them into your collection. I would just take those feelings and run with it. And if mm -hmm. you are wanting to, you know, aspire to having various watches like the Rolexes or Cartiers or whatever timepieces in the future, this is an evolution. Um, and for me, I think that I'm looking forward to seeing what your collection looks like five years from now mm -hmm. and to yeah. follow your journey. And Definitely. so, yeah, I think that this is just an evolving process and enjoy what you have. I'm, I'm grateful for what I have and who knows what the future holds in my collection, but that's, those are my thoughts. Yeah. And, and I would echo your thoughts, uh, by saying, what it means in 2021, well, it means freedom because there's just, there, there's so much out there. You can, you can find what makes you, what makes you tick. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> no, pun intended. Pun intended. No, nice one. Definitely pun intended. But it's really, it really, it's what it means because internet is everywhere. Social media is being like used by all of the brands, but not just the big ones, the independent ones. And what they're doing, some of them are doing something different. Some of them are doing, I mean, you can find whatever whatever works for you, whatever makes you happy. And then you can also connect with people that are going to be similar to you, with similar taste, or people who are going to be totally different and they're going to challenge you. Uh, it means that people who have, uh, you know, collectors who have, um, who don't have a Rolex, in their collection, for example, well, that's totally fine. What, like a few years ago, I met this um, this client who had an absolutely amazing collection in terms of like uh, complications, brands, Patek, Galore, all of the complications you could possibly imagine, put in a lot of money, a lot of time in this collection. And so he was telling me what he had. And at the end, he's like, oh, yeah, and I have a Rolex, of course, because, you know, you, 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 need, you need one. And I'm like, well, isn't it sad a little bit that you do need one? Well, 
you do need one because you love it or because you feel like as a collector, well, you kind of need at least one in your collection because otherwise it's not a full collection. Well, I don't think it's true anymore. And maybe some people still think the same way, but you really don't have to hang out with them. You can end up, uh, you know, hang out with people who really don't think the same way at all. And we think that, well, watch collecting is just really all about happiness. And I think that's just really what it is in 2021. It's really about just happiness yeah and just connect with people i mean just reach out to people and i think that you'll see that you know the true watch community the real watch fam will accept Mm -hmm. whatever collection is in front of them because you know i think that there are quite a few um quality people very nice people in the watch community that you're just accepting yeah totally and i mean it's it's still great to want to reach for something else uh there's always you know that watch that's almost you know you can almost grab but you're like ah it's a little bit you know more than i ever spent or really or you, it's not really totally comfortable or you don't really have the the occasion to you know to pull the trigger really and uh it, it's it's nice to want something that's you know um more considered as, I don't know, I don't want to say a real brand because that's definitely not that. But when you think of, for example, Rolex, you're like, oh yeah, well, if you're, you know, if you're really serious into watches, you, you, you know, you have to have a Rolex. Well, yeah, if it makes you happy, sure. But, and it's nice to want to like, you know, save or just explore the world of Rolex and see, okay, which one correspond me the most or things like that. But it's totally fine to just also realize, you know what, I don't think that's for me. And I really don't think it's something that, you know, I, I want to. So don't feel like you, you, you need to go either or um, just, you know, get something that makes you happy and just get all the butterflies that are associated to it and yeah, that's um, that's really it. I mean, that's really what it is about watch collecting. It's something that just that you don't really need to do, but it's it makes you happy. So great, thank you for your question. We appreciate it. So uh, on to the next one. Uh, so it is uh, from at Mister Wandering Watches. Oh, what a great guy too! I'm so glad that I, um, you know, that we ever met on Instagram and that we ever like, that we got to talk about, uh, you know, a lot of different topics. And thank you so much for your question. And well, you're asking my favorite type of questions, really. What are you top three brands you would recommend or prefer putting your money into? And um, that's like the hardest question for Leslie, mistering, Mr. Wandering Watches that like if you said like 10, we'd probably be, have a better chance. Well, you're making me choose. I know I it's tough. Choosing. It's tough. But top, it's top like, three. It, yes, it's really it's really cool because it's really challenging and it makes me ask myself a lot of questions. And, uh, you know, I get to categorize thing and, and just taking like way over the top. But uh, yes, I, it means I have to choose. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, very, very difficult question, obviously. And I was thinking of, well, how am, am I going to tackle this? I, it cannot be my favorite brands because I really don't have favorite brands. I see it's like, you know, asking me to pick a color. I'm going to be probably, I'm going to freeze first. And then I'm going to be like, well, maybe white because it includes all the colors. <laughs> so I'm, I'm that type of person. So I had to tackle it a different way. And I was thinking, okay, so what 
do I really want or what would I need in my collection if I were just to focus on, you know, three brands, what do I want to see? What style do I want to see in my collection? And well, I think in my collection, I would need to have a pilot. I do have the um, IWC Mark 18, Le Petit Prince edition. I love it. I love the pilot style. I'm a huge fan of the big pilot. Anything pilot really, I don't know, speaks to me, makes me happy. And so I'm thinking, okay, so if I need to have a pilot watch, who which brand does best represent that style? And that's IWC. So I think my top three would be IWC because I would need to have a pilot. And if I have a pilot, well, it, need to have, it needs to be an IWC pilot. Um, so that's, that's one. <laughs> that's one. Um, then the second one. Well... Ah, the second one is tough and it depends on money, of course. So um, I do love rectangular and I do love tonal shape watches. One of my favorite watch is the Malt from Vacheron Constanta, the, the men's version. I think it has, it's simple, it's very classic, it's very elegant. I also, I mean, I love those this style. I love the Reverso that I have, which is, you know, just hours and minutes. A uh, very clean dial. I love a um, a tank Francaise and even more a tank American. So like or tank centré. This is absolutely beautiful. So I would want to have a watch like this in my collection. And well, money wise, Reverso makes a lot of sense because it brings you the history and it has incredible value. Uh, the Reverso is absolutely amazing. You can engrave it on the back. So great. But if I had a little bit more money in my budget, yes, it would be the Malt. And so I would probably pick Vacheron Constantin. Um, again, it's really not a question of favorite at all because I really don't. And I don't even know how I could pick a favorite brand. But um, knowing that I would want a Malt um, or, or something with a similar shape and that the Malt is really kind of like the, the best of, of everything, right? I would pick probably, yeah, Vacheron Constantin. Uh, on top of that, it, this brand makes everything, you know, from um, an overseas sports model to, like, uh, one of my, probably my favorite watch ever, which is that Gonson, um, that minute repeater, ultra thin. So, yeah, um, that would be for my second one. And for the third one, well, for the third one, I would want, in my collection, I would want a robust watch. <laughs> You just got my attention. So, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> and so I would want a dive watch. I would want a, I don't want to say a beater because that's, that's not very respectful, I guess. But I would want, yes, a dive watch. I think uh, it just looks great. I like to, I love to wear it with a suit. I love to wear a dive watch with like a very, um, very, sophisticated you know like outfit and and even if it clashes a little bit I, I don't care I like that and so well my choice goes between two again huh? it depends not so much on money this time but it depends on availability and so if availability is not a problem then my third brand would be Rolex because hello Submariner hello Daytona and GMT I mean you can't really beat that but 
you can probably have it very easily. I mean, at least I cannot. So um, if it's a question of availability, then I would pick Tutor. I would go with Rolex, but if I can't get, you know, my my fix with Rolex, then I'll get it with Tudor. So um, <clears throat> that's kind of like my way to pick three, but also maybe five. <laughs> I heard four. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you want a bonus one or <laughs> I can find you a bonus one? Too. <laughs> I'm sure you can. <laughs> so if I had so, to pick three brands that I would put my money into <laughs> the, the first one would be grand seiko and the purpose behind grand seiko for me would be the quality the craftsmanship the beauty of that mm-hmm. they, yeah. they make such beautiful aesthetic looking timepieces so for me grand seiko the second one for me would be seiko because now they're two different brands they're no longer the same brand so i would also pick seiko because it is a robust watch <laughs> and you guys know how much I like robust watches and so for me it would be that one the last one that I would pick as far as a brand would be Rolex and the reason why I'd pick Rolex Leslie would say is because I'm a Rolex fanboy eh. oh yeah you definitely are <laughs> but that's okay and that could be partially true <laughs> but to me Rolex is a safe watch if you're looking at something that again is robust and it and it fits into my tool watch affinity. Um, if you look at that being potentially even investment, because I know some of you collectors out there look at it as an investment, mm-hmm. Rolex is safe, right? I mean, like that's mm-hmm. putting money in yeah. the bank. So for me, those are the three watches. I have all three in my collection. Um, and so I, you know, I put my money where my mouth is. So that's, those are the three that I pick. Nice. So thank you very much, Mr. Wandering Watches, yeah, for your question. Thank that you was so good. Much. Um, mm-hmm. Only 327 questions left. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, we're going to be here all day. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. The next question is from at Playbraids. Um, and she asks, are watches ever featured on major runways from major fashion houses? If so, is there ever a correlation between watch trends and watch and hair trends. So is there any correlation between watch trends and hair trends? And so I'll give you a little background. So I'm actually friends with at play braids and she is an amazing artist when it comes to Mm -hmm. hair. She um, braids, as you can tell by the title of her Instagram. And if you guys ever get a chance to check out her Instagram, I mean, she does amazing things with hair. Now, that being said, she's never touched my hair because you guys have seen some of my pictures possibly and I don't have hair on my head. So, <laughs> so to answer your question at play braids, you know, there are a few major fashion houses um, that also make watches like Chanel. I can think of Louis Vuitton, uh, Ralph Lauren, Gucci, Fendi, Burberry. Um, I think even Michael Kors makes watches. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so when you look at that, yes, they make their own watches and some watches are better than others. Um, I would think like the Chanel and Ralph Lauren, uh, are known for being higher caliber watches versus, you know, like a Burberry or micro Coors watch. Um, Mm -hmm. but in a sense, they're all just fashion focused. So when I think runways, I think they're more focused on not the watches that they make, but the fashion that they create. And Mm -hmm. so, um, Leslie, did you have any insight with regards to that? Well, that's um, it's something that I've noticed. So you see a lot of, uh, you know, 
important people or at least famous people wearing, you know, certain watches. You see them on advertising in magazines, on TV, or um, they are recruited by the brands. But on runway shows, I can't think of a, I, I can't think of a time where, like, the models were wearing a watch. It was just clothes-related accessories, you know, bags, maybe shoes a little bit. Sure. But now watches. So, sh yes, like you said, there's some major fashion brands like Chanel, Dior, that do have great watches. Last year, Chanel released some amazing, amazing watches. I don't know so much about the movement, but it's still, you know, it's still respectful, like respectable. But the design, it was so new. It was so different. It's super expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't see models wearing those watches at all on the runway, on the shows at least. Um, and I don't really know why, like why not? Um, is it because the world of watches is still, you know, a, a, a men's world in a way? Um, I, um, I, I, I would venture this would be the answer, but I don't. I don't know more. I think it's kind of like a missed opportunity. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see in the future if there are any um, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, connections between the two and if they start doing collaborations between the two. That would be amazing too. Yeah, definitely. Her follow-up question was, is there a correlation between watch trends and hair trends? And honestly, I I don't see it. I, I'm not zoned in the hair trends um, for obvious reasons, just because I don't have hair. <laughs> But um, but I don't see that with the watches either. But uh, at Play Braids, I mean, I would love to see you throw some posts yeah. in there with your watch with some of the braids and totally. Yeah, it would be awesome to maybe you're maybe you're starting that trend for us. That'd be cool. Yes, I yeah. You know what? I think that's uh, that could totally work because I never thought about it this way either. I'm I'm I didn't even know they were hair trends, so I'm I'm sorry. Yeah. Maybe I should know, but I didn't. <laughs> I have short hair. It is what it is. Um, I mean, I, um, but I don't see why not because there's su such a variety in the world of watches. And there's, uh, you know, I was scrolling in her Instagram and there, same thing with, you know, what she does, the styles, the colors. I mean, he sends some vibes and why can't you combine both? I mean, you know, there's um, maybe hair trends that are more, uh, like the, the the tomboy vibe, and so you can wear it more with like uh, you know a diver, or maybe you're into you know cool colors for your hair. Which, uh, by the way, I can understand because I used to have really cool hair colors when I was uh, you know much younger. Maybe you can post that in the show notes, like I a know, picture. We're talking blue and everything it was really cool. That'd be awesome. Uh, so, but I mean, maybe yeah. Why not matching your watch to your hair? Yeah. And and uh, sometimes colors for your hair they can change so fast, especially you know if you do have short hair or if you have braids or if you have um, you know, like yeah, you could totally you could totally do that, and that would be actually a lot of fun. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. So yeah, great question yeah. and comment. Thank you for the question. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so on to the next question. It is from at Time Peace Love. And uh, so Jeremy is asking us what got the both of us collecting and having a love, a love for watches. And he's also asking, do you both remember your first ever timepiece? 
Well, um, I always loved watches, but it was, you know, watch. It was meant to, you know, give the time. It was maybe a little bit, you know, fashion. I remember, I don't know if it was my first watch, but it's the first watch that I remember. It has a purple sun burst dial on a purple strap and it was a round round case um you know like classic but not so classic with the color especially I mean it was I don't want to say how long ago but uh, it was quite some time ago and I've never seen something like that and I thought it was you know very very beautiful very pretty to look at and so that's the first time piece I've, I've ever you know remember then um we when when we got a computer and when we got the internet um because we didn't always have a computer and we didn't always have the internet right, right. So, so when and and we were a little bit late too um in in having that but i remember with my dad we used to look at watches like patek philippe and, and watches like this and we're like oh my god we can't believe it's real like uh you know, first they're absolutely gorgeous. They can put all of this in, into a watch, and then we're looking at the price. We're like, wow! So that got me a little bit, at least, familiar with what it was. And then I got a job in a very high-end watch and jewelry store, and I started no experience. I just knew, you know, I like that stuff. I'm French. It's kind of like, you know, my my language up my alley. Right. And I thought I'd be a jewelry girl like that. I, I was so certain of this because, you know, jewelry and women and I love fashion. And But nope, I um, I started reading about watches, looking at them, handling them. It was something quite different and um, familiar, but still things that I really didn't know much about. And the more, I mean, it was probably brainwashing. I was probably brainwashing myself because the more I would read, the more I would handle them, the more I would talk about them, the more I would feel the, the love and the connection and um, how amazing it is and how amazing certain watchmaker can be and how creative they can be and um, always that search of perfection and still honoring their past and their history. I mean, it's... Wow. Um, so that's really what got me into loving watches and collecting. Well, um, I think time got me into collecting. And um, yeah, and I think when you're, you see them every day, it, it's not like, you know, you're coming home and you're forgetting about them. No, because, you know, the following day, bam, you're back looking at them. And so, yeah, brainwashing, I guess. Yeah, for me. So I started with a Tag Heuer 6000 Professional. And that was my first watch that I ever bought myself. And I wore that watch everywhere. I mean, like, and I wore that watch. I was a one watch guy for years. And it was, oh, okay. yeah, it was a quartz. And it was, you know, I just grew up with that watch. And after over a decade wearing that watch and, you know, that was the watch I got married in. And there were just so many different things mm -hmm. that, um, so many activities that I had that watch for. Eventually I wanted to buy an automatic watch and it was in the mid 2000s that I ended up picking my first automatic watch, which was um, a, an Omega Planet Ocean, the extra large. James Bond was a big deal at that time frame. Mm -hmm. And I ended up picking that and had the, the uh, orange 12, 6 and uh, 9 on there. And it was just to me, it was like really cool. And I wore that one for a while. And then and then I picked up another watch. The next one that I picked up was a Panerai. And then mm. I noticed that I started, you know, picking up more and more watches. Mm. 
And I really became an enthusiast. I, I, to this day, I still don't consider myself a collector because I don't think, I don't know. Some people might say I'm crazy because they would think that I'm a collector, but in my mind, I, I just think of myself as an enthusiast, but I will tell you, I still have that tag and I still nice. have that uh, Omega Planet Ocean too. And sometimes you'll see a post nice. of both, but yeah, I still have those watches. Yeah, you're definitely a collector. Am I? <laughs> yeah, not not in terms of like accumulating watches and you always need one more, you need a bigger collection. And it's because you're so interested in them and you just spend time and energy and they mean something to you. So yeah, of course, of course. Okay. Well, if you say yeah. so. I mean, it's, but it's a compliment. Okay. I mean, again, I we, we, can, we can differ, but it is a compliment. We can banter over it. <laughs> yes, we can banter over it. <laughs> oh, no, that's cool. And by the way, mm-hmm. at Time Peace Love, this is Jeremy. If you guys ever get a chance, everybody that we're naming, please check out their Instagram. Give them yes. a follow. I mean, they're just really neat people. They, they have, they're great influencers on Instagram. Mm. And, um, you know, when I think about Jeremy, he just has such positive vibes all the time. I mean, like you can just look at his posts and kind of puts a smile in your face for the day. So yeah, guys. So thank you again for your question, Jeremy. Mm -hmm. We appreciate it. Um, the next question comes from at watching SRQ and, uh, he asked, how much consideration to ongoing maintenance do you give as you grow your collection? And so I think I know why he asked this question because this gentleman has quite a big collection. He has dozens of watches. And so I think I know why he asked that question. But, you know, unfortunately, I don't think that I think too much about maintenance. Um, I've thought about it more before when I was more into the vintage and neo-vintage acquisition of Rolexes when I had... You know, a few of those, I would really think about maintenance, but, you know, I don't think about it as often as I probably should. If I feel like one of the watches are kind of goofing off a little bit, um, I'll end up taking it in, but it's not something that I think about. I just, you know, it's like a car. You're going to always spend a little bit of money. If you're going to buy a watch you're, down the road, you're going to end up having to have it maintained, fixed, serviced, or something to that effect. So mm-hmm. I just think that the higher the time, higher end timepiece with more complications, you got to budget a little bit more for the maintenance mm-hmm. because it's going to warrant that higher cost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would say I'm, I'm also not really thinking about the maintenance aspect of it just now because my collection is uh, r- rather new. I don't own any vintage and all of my watches are running fine Uh, so for automatic they recommend five to ten years Uh, of course it really depends on how you use them so if you really are wearing your you know your sub to the beach all the time well yeah don't wait until there's an issue to have it you know looked over just send it maybe you know every five years just to make sure all the seals and gaskets are good but otherwise, I just tend to, you know, be careful about um, how I store them. They don't really require a lot of maintenance. I don't really have any high complication timepiece either. Mm. I mean, I have a calendar and that's pretty much it. The rest, I do have a chronograph. But the rest are going to be pretty uh, 
pretty simple. And so they don't, even if you don't wear them often, I've asked uh, watchmakers about the use of a winder and they were like, nah, you really don't need it. Uh, and, and don't worry about the amount of oil we put in the movement because it's so tiny. Even if your watch stays in the same position for months, it's it's okay. It's really not. I mean, the winder would be more making sure, you know, the date's fine. It's, uh, you know, you don't really have to set it, especially if you have a perpetual calendar. But I really don't think so much about that again because I do have... Um, recent watches if i had vintage well it would be a little bit of a different story especially if i do have a vintage watch that is extremely special right because then yes not only i would want to baby it but on top of that i just want to make sure everything's good so i wouldn't send it for servicing just to set it for servicing but i would want to make sure to um just keep up with um the timekeeping, really, making sure everything's fine. And I, it's, it's not that I don't like to send my watches for servicing, but there's just so much that can happen, honestly. They forgot to, you know, they, they, they forgot that, yeah, you said you didn't want a polishing. Bam, they're polishing it. Well, you can't take that back. Or they're thinking that you... That doesn't happen often. And in almost seven years of experience, it very, very rarely happens. But if it happens once to you, well, oh, your watch has been polished and it's a vintage watch. Well, you can't, you know, put back the scratches there. Uh, or if a dial has been changed, well, they keep the dial. You don't have your dial anymore. And they're like, oops, I'm so sorry. Well, yeah, as sorry as they can be still. And anytime you open something, there's, there's a little bit of risk. So even if it comes back with a warranty, and even if uh, almost all of the time everything's fine, well, if, if, if the watch is fine, just don't, don't, don't mess with it. <laughs> really don't. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Uh, polishing a high-end vintage watch is one too many times already. Yeah. Hey, but thank you so much for that question. We appreciate yes, you saying that. Yes, thank you. In. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Thank you. Um, okay, the next question is from at the bubble back. Ooh, by the way, I love your Instagram. Uh, I love all the vintage watches that you post. It's uh, it's really really cool. Love your page. Uh, thank you so much for your question. And uh, it is: if you had an unlimited budget, what would you buy? And that's the kind of question I like because I don't have to choose. No limits. <laughs> no limits. So give them all to that's me. It. I'll, I'll. You know what? I will not, I was, we were, you know, talking about this with, with Ernesto and as much as it's fun to look and to do your research, you still have a choice to make. So it's either that one or that one, at least, you know, when you do have a budget and my budget is, you know, quite small. I mean, it's, it's good, but uh, I'm not complaining, but you still like, you know, I, I have a choice to make. Okay, well, um, do I want this one or this one first? I mean, generally it's this one or this one first because you most likely will end up with, you know, with both if you really love them, but you still have a choice to make. If you have an unlimited budget, oh my goodness. Well, there's no research needed. You just can, you know, wander around, go into a watch store and be like, oh, I really like this one on my wrist. Well, sure, I'll take it. And, uh... Well, there might not be a lot of honeymoon faces, but um, yeah, that's um, why would I buy? I, I'd, I'd buy them all from every single Casio. And yeah, that, that will be the real meaning of a collector. Maybe like I'll have one of each. <laughs> it's 
literally one of it. Every dial color, every, everything. And then once I have everything, I'll go to all the vintage to make sure that, <laughs> that I have them all too. <laughs> it's terrible. The bubble back just created a monster. <laughs> you revealed a monster. It was already there. Yeah, <laughs> true, true. Oh, man. <laughs> what about you? So for me, you know what? I... With an unlimited budget, I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm kind of simple. I go back to that. I'm simple, and I'm not going to end up coming out with some <laughs> Patek Philippe tourbillon with like the you know perpetual calendar, some fancy thing that's going to end up flying me to. I Paris don't think it'd back. be one of my first, but yeah, sure, it'd still be part of it. I'm sure it's in the list. <laughs> um, but for me, you know, if I was to look at a high end watch, it would probably end up being a gold timepiece it could be like um you know a simple lange one like a, a lange mm, zona, nice, yeah. um for a dressy timepiece and you know what i'd probably look at i don't know a gold submariner just because i love this submariner in itself mm-hmm. or yeah. a gold day date and you know if i knew that i could buy all the watches in the world i might just end up being a one watch guy and just know in my back pocket that i can buy whatever watch i want I'm I'm not I'm I'm not sure we can continue this podcast if you're only one watch guy. <laughs> I don't know how that's feasible. Well, well fortunately enough that I, I'm not going to be in that position. So, okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, but that's that's a great question. I, you know, I I think that it comes down to what am I going to be comfortable putting on my wrist and walking around okay, the streets? Yeah. Am I comfortable wearing a thirty thousand dollar watch on my wrist? Thirty five thousand dollar watch? Sure. Am I comfortable wearing a quarter of a million dollars on my wrist? Probably not. Uh, even as you approach the $100,000 range for a watch, I don't think that I'd feel comfortable walking around the streets. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it's like, what is realistic? And if I'm just putting watches in my safe, there's no fun. You know, I want to be able to enjoy them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that, that's a good answer. And, and And honestly, yeah, who knows? If you know you can have them all, then... Maybe you don't want them all. Yeah. There's there's some of that too. Same thing with, you know, some of the really most thought after watches. Everyone wants a Hulk because they know they can't have one. Right. But when they were available, we had a ton sitting in the in the showcase. So, so sad. <laughs> I mean, right. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Tell me about it. But thank you for that question. We appreciate you sending yeah. that in. Um definitely. Okay. So uh the next question is from at the Paula Newman. And, um, he asks, how do you rotate your collection? Uh, you want to make sure that they all get the same amount of love, right? Yeah. You know what? I get that. Um, I get that. And I, you know, I rotate my collection in various ways. Um, sometimes it depends upon what the activity is that I'm doing and also what I'm wearing. And that might change how I'm going to end up wearing a watch I'm going to end up wearing. Um, the other thing too is I have a couple of submariners. One submariner is uh, going to my son. The other submariner is going to my daughter. And what you'll often see is when I am doing something or I'm going to one of their events, uh, my daughter is a competitive dancer and my son plays competitive soccer. If I'm going to one of their events, I might end up wearing that submariner specifically that's going to them just to remind them that, Hey, you know, I was wearing that watch that they're going to end up getting. 
That's so thoughtful. Yeah, and I so that's another way um, that I would rotate. But you know, sometimes the OCD kicks in pretty hard, and I'll go through bouts where I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna wear a different Seiko all week long, and I'm gonna have a different Seiko every day of the week, and I'll do something silly like that too. So I don't think there's a rhyme or reason um, in how I rotate my collection. But I agree with you. I think that. You know, if you're going to have a collection, you want to make sure you're at least wearing these watches as often as you can. If you're not wearing them Mm -hmm. and there's no love for them when you put it on your wrist, you might want to rethink whether they should be in your collection. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What about you? Um, Well, I don't have a system. Uh, I'll tend to wear a blue dial watch if I'm wearing blue clothes. Uh, I'm also quite obsessive. So um, I'll I'll wear the same watch over and over and over again until like I just don't want to anymore, and that can be for weeks on end or even months on end. I remember wearing my Debussy, uh, the Mark eighteen. This would be my only watch. I have other watches, but this would be the only watch that I would wear for you know more than a month, every single day, every single time, because really I wanted to wear it, and then. I, I remember putting it in the, in the watch box, and then I went on to something else. I went with the tutor, and it was the same thing. Again, different outfit, different events or circumstances will dictate which watch, um, but it's also really, like, I'm, I'm very obsessive. They all are loved the same, and sometimes I love to just look at them more then I want to wear them, like the, the Gégard Le Coutre Master Calendar. I love to wear this watch. But it's just, I don't know, I feel like every time I'm even just looking at it, I'm scratching it. So I just want to preserve it. And it's, I mean, I don't want to say it's a safe queen, but I just really love it. And I get as much pleasure staring at it like when it's on you know on my desk as when I I have it on uh, actually maybe sometimes more pleasure staring at it than when I have it on because I'm constantly worried about you know what I'm going to do and I'm you know there's going to be that brief minute where I'm not going to be thinking about it and bam it's going to hit the car or you know something silly like that and oh my gosh it cannot happen so um there's really I really don't have a system. I know um, he was saying that he had a system based on th- on thumbtack, um, which is really cool. I think everyone has like a different way of approaching like how they want to wear, you know, or how they're wearing their watches. And I think there's maybe a little bit of guilt also, like, oh, I haven't worn you in a while. Well, you know, let me uh, let me you know um, put you back on on my wrist. And uh, but I just love them all. It's just that sometimes, yeah, sometimes they're more. I just want to wear them more than others. And sometimes that the love will, will rekindle after, you know, a few months or even a few years. And that's totally fine. That's why I don't want to sell my watches because on the moment I'm like, well, I'm not really wearing that one so much. And, but then all of a sudden, well, I'll be wearing all the time. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? Why right. wasn't I wearing as much? No, that's cool. That's a great question. One thing that I haven't tried is wearing a watch for how many days? I, I don't know if I've ever worn a watch, just like one watch for like a month. Uh, it's been a long time since I've done that. Yeah. Yeah, I know sometimes you change several times a day too. I do. I do. <laughs> 
called OCD. Thanks for bringing that up. I appreciate it. (laughs) Welcome. Anytime. (laughs) Oh boy. Well, Hey, thank you so much for that question. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, so the next question is from Andres RRCF and, um, well, Andres is a really, really great friend of us and an amazing person and an amazing collector's um, I only have like amazing stuff to say, say about him. So thank you so much for your question. And it is, how do you see your collection evolving in the future in these micro brands vintage? Well, um, all of them uh, again, <laughs> <laughs> how do I see it evolving? Um, I'm trying to give a little bit of a meaning to my collection, in terms of like why I'm choosing this and not just like, well, I liked it and, uh, you know, I just wanted to wear it and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to buy it. So, yes, I definitely want to have micro brands and indies for sure. I already do. I have my Ming. I have my Corono. I have, um, uh, I mean, it's really definitely not the same caliber, but I had a Ventus, which was a prototype that I still have, that I still, you know, carbon fiber that I still enjoy very, very much. yes. And I think sometimes the indies and the micro brands, they know more about luxury than those big brands right now. I mean, they, they have more time and they focus more on their clients, which is, you know, super important. But they also want to keep their vision in their watches. And I think that's also extremely important. It's not just like, well, that's what the public wants, so let's give it to them so that way we can sell more, you know, um, put it at a premium and make more money. No, they really want it a certain way according to their standards, their ideas, their visions, their taste, whatever they want to create, and they're making it so. They're making small batches, so that way, I mean, it's... You know, they won't have, I mean, first they're small, so they can't make, you know, too many, but it's also like um, what's difficult to have is, you know, creating like demands and all of that. So, I, But yes, definitely independent watchmakers, definitely micro brands too. Um, but again, it has to have meaning. So it's not just like, oh, well, it's cool. Let me get it. And then I realize, well, you know, there's no history behind or there's no vision. Vintage, vintage scares me a little bit because there's so much to know and there's so much that I know that I don't know. And yes, vintage for sure. I do want a 1016, so that Explorer, I really want it. I want it from my, like I wanted my birth year 1016. But if it, you know, shows up one day, I have the money and it's the right time and it's, you know, great I'm not going to be on the hunt for it, though, because I'm not really ready and I'm not really in that state of mind just yet. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I know there's some brands that I do want uh, and I do want an, the other ex- the other Rolex that I would want. Yes, is that Explorer? Even new would be fine. I do want a Panerai for sure. I do want a big pilot at some point. There's a really like some brands that I that I want in my collection, and there's some watches that I do want in my collection too. But again, I'm not in a hurry, and we'll see what, you know, life has in store for me, what the timing is, and pretty open. What about you? Yeah, you know, it's hard sometimes to dictate what road you're moving forward in. You can easily Mm -hmm. turn around and see where you came from, 
But sometimes mm-hmm. it's hard to say, hey, you know what, this is where I want to go. Um, because I think that with the ever-changing market, it also kind of help, it helps define where you're going to end up, what path you're going to end up moving towards. I've been fortunate enough to um, play around a little bit with vintage. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I, I appreciate the vintage. I don't think it's for me. Um, so for me, I've had a chance to play with various brands and I would like to maybe explore the micro brands very similarly to your thought process. You know, there are a lot of games being played with the large brands in today's market. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm, I'm not one to really play games too much. Um, and I think that for me, there are a lot of smaller brands out there that are working very hard to earn collector's business and so you know I, I would probably try to trend myself and move into that uh, perspective there are also mm-hmm. other brands that I am interested in exploring this year things like as I mentioned before in a different podcast episode things like Zenith and, and IWC um, yeah. so yeah and Fears Watches too I know we were talking a lot about Fears Watches we talked about Fears as well too and and actually um, Laurier Watches they're Mm-hmm. They're that small yeah. uh, company based out of New York and, you know, definitely something that I would mm-hmm. want to mm-hmm. look further into. But yeah, you know, it's, I've been collecting for a little bit now and, and I've been very fortunate to have gotten a few different watches on my wrist. And so, yeah, I can see it evolving over the next couple of years. I can't talk further than a couple of years, but yeah, mm-hmm. I would definitely look at micros and, and indies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know at some point you were definitely not really interested in that at all. So yeah, at one point I wasn't absolutely, and and that's to talk and speak of that whole we're constantly evolving, and it's super interesting to see, and then I'm really curious to yeah to see where we're going to be in five years, right? What's going to be that journey, and and yeah, yeah, very very yeah, very curious. Andres, thank you so much for the question. Yes, thank we you so much. That. The next question comes from at Graham Seiko and um, he asks, are IWCs worth their price? Well, that's kind of a loaded question, (laughs) but, but in my opinion, I think it depends upon where you define value. Um, And if you are to me, the market dictates the price, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, IWCs in the gray market are less expensive than what they are manufacturer suggested retail price. You look at Rolex, Rolex gray market, especially steel sports watches, they're significantly higher than the manufacturer suggested retail price. And so that's where I say the market is dictating the price. And to me, it all depends upon, do you want a brand new big pilot and nobody has touched it, but you are that first owner? If it is, then it'll be worth the amount that, you know, the big pilot's going for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think it really just depends upon what you're wanting out of that. It's unfortunate, though, that because of demand, um, that some brands are not being valued as high as they are when they're, you know, first coming out as a manufacturer suggested retail price. Yeah, but you have a good point with the value, because in the end, it's like, what what does it mean to you? Where do you find value? What are you comparing it to? 
And um, in terms of prices, well, if you're looking for a steel watch with a date, well, why are you going to pay, you know, $9,000 for a Sabrina from Rolex? Sure, yes, it keeps its value again. We think that in the future, you're not going to lose money if you ever wanted to sell it. But are you buying it to sell it? Or are you buying it for the style? Then you can find a steel date watch for much, much less. So with IWC and with every other brand, it really depends to what you're comparing it to. If in the end you put it on your wrist and it gives you that, you know, that loving feeling and that happiness, then sure. I mean, yeah, that's basically all you need to know. And yes, if you don't, even if it's like, you know, a more expensive watch or a less expensive watch or a brand that is considered, you know, better according to some standards or less good according to other standards, it really doesn't really matter on so that's real it, it's a very difficult question but it's a very simple one at the same time you know so to me i think at the end it's just going to depend upon does it bring you joy i think if it brings you joy then it's worth the price what do you think yep i totally agree yeah. i think that's really like the bottom line and uh yeah there's you can try to find it justify it every way you want but in the end like you said does it bring you joy cool. and then you know your answer Yep. Hey, well, thank you for the question at Graham Seiko. We appreciate it. Yes. Yep. Yep. Thank you so much. And Leslie, I think mm-hmm. we have one. We I think we have time for one more question. Yes, I think we do. Um, j- yeah. Um, so I'm so sorry if we uh, didn't get to answer your question uh, this time, but but we have them all and we will definitely answer them now. You know, uh, uh, they'll be first on the next uh, Q&A, definitely first for those that we didn't have time to, to answer right Absolutely. now. So, yeah, the next one is from Watch Dash. And um, again, another amazing guy. I mean, he's just so great. It's so fun. He has an amazing watch collection and such a positive attitude. Uh, I've had the chance of like knowing him for, you know, many years and... Um, yeah, I only have great thing to, to say about him. And he's asking, well, I can't believe the 5711 discontinued and the rumored 6711 is in titanium without the date. Well, um, I know it's, it really hurts. It really hurts. I mean, I wasn't in line to get one, so I, I, I don't think it hurts as much as some people were really, like, you know, next in line. And... Um, I mean, I think from a brand perspective, it makes sense to discontinue something so thought after, and it just drive a, it drives up the discontinued watch. It drives up the price, and if the price is you know so much higher on the secondary market, it gives confidence to the buyer that indeed he's going to spend a lot of money on something that isn't going to lose money. And uh, something that's just in the end is going to be a good return of investment if ever he wanted to do so, if ever he wanted to sell it. So it makes sense um, that this watch is retired. I think it increased in price by over 20% retail, like over the last few years. I mean, something ridiculous. 
the demand is still super high and they're discontinuing it. The rumor is that indeed it's going to be a titanium without a date. Well, I don't know how I feel about the titanium. I don't know about how I feel that it's being replaced by only a titanium version. That's more like it. No dates. Well, I don't mind a no date, but I'm so used to that 5711 with a date. I think it's just so nice that, well, no date. Okay, well, maybe it's, it's going to take us some time to get used to it. The titanium, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I love that Patek is doing a titanium watch. I really, really, really do. But only a titanium watch? Hmm, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, from a marketing perspective, yeah, that's that was the right time. That was the right thing to do. What do you think, um, Ernesto? Everything has an expiration date. Mm-hmm. And so I think it was bound to happen. It's just, mm-hmm. unfortunately, timing affects how things happen. And to me, timing is... Yeah, to me, timing is the key to how your collection is going to look. At the end of the game, when you are looking at your collection and you're looking behind you and seeing the watches that you've acquired throughout the years, there are going to be stories and there are going to be reasons why you don't have what you wanted to have. And maybe the reason Mm -hmm. is because you don't feel like spending a six-figure dollar amount on a 5711 because that price will escalate. I will share the same sentiments with you, Watch Dash, that I was on the list for a Hulk and Mm -hmm. the Hulk was also discontinued. And do I think the Hulk is worth $16,000, $17,000? No, I don't. So for me, I think that I lost the opportunity to pick that Hulk and uh, at, at manufacturer's suggested retail price, and that's okay. I'm okay with it. Unfortunately, it's not in my collection, but there will be other watches. And again, my collection will be defined on stories that I've experienced throughout the collecting phase. It's the journey to me. I yeah, don't have anything to add. You said it so well and so perfectly. Thank you. And I think uh, I think that's a good place to wrap wrap things up. Okay. Yeah, I think so. I mean, Again, I'm so sorry we didn't have time to answer the other questions, uh, but promise we will. They'll be the first one that we will answer on the next Q&A. And um, thank you for, for everyone who just sent us, yes, their question. It was such a pleasure to, uh, to get to, to talk to you guys and uh, to get to answer your questions too. They were very, uh, very good, very uh, thought-provoking. Yes, uh, we really appreciate you guys taking time out of your days to go ahead and submit mm-hmm. the questions that you did. Um, that means a lot to us. And um, this is our first Q&A, Leslie, and I'm hoping we have an opportunity to do this again. Uh, maybe we'll do it next month. Maybe we'll do it in a couple of months. But this is definitely um, a fun a fun episode. Yeah, I mean, depending on how many questions we have and how often, yeah, we can definitely try to do it once a month. Like it could be the last episode of the month. Yeah, that would be that would be pretty well, cool. Well, l- let's see uh, what our listeners and we'll let the yeah. listeners dictate it. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Yeah, for sure. Well, guys, thank you so much again. Um, we appreciate you guys listening and spending time with us on Bezel Banter. Please hit the show notes for more details and links. 
You can follow us on Instagram. Leslie is at Ladies Wrist and I am at Ernesto Guapo 72. And you can follow the show on at Bezel Banter Media. If you have any questions for us, please feel free to reach out to us on our Instagram or you can also reach out to us on bezelbanter at gmail.com and please subscribe and review wherever you find your podcast because it truly helps us out. Additionally, you can grab this episode and other episodes at www.bezelbanter.com. Thanks again, and we look forward to catching up with you soon on another episode of Bezel Banter. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.